Welcome to the Come Follow Me For You and Me podcast, a weekly podcast following the Come Follow Me lessons from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Ashley Lottanon-Singchen. I'm excited to learn and grow with you as we all learn more about following the Savior. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Come Follow Me For You and Me podcast. This is episode five of this podcast, but today we're covering Alma chapter 30 through 31. And then the title of the lesson is The Virtue of the Word of God. And I wanted to just jump right into the introduction of the of this lesson. I found it really powerful. As the, the title mentions, The Virtue of the Word of God, I thought that the introduction talked a lot about the great impact that our words can have for good or for bad. So I wanted to read through the introduction and kind of give some thoughts I had along the way as I was reading it. But it starts out saying, The accounts in Alma, chapter 30 through 31, clearly demonstrate the power of words for evil and for good. The flattering and great swelling words of a false teacher named Korhor threatened to bring down, threatened to bring many souls down to destruction. So that's a really powerful statement right there that this one man had that power to bring down many souls to destruction. I think this is a good reminder that every one of us can have a powerful impact on people either for good or for bad. So I think that was really interesting. The manual goes on to say similarly, I hope I'm saying that right. (laughs) The teachings of a Nephite dissenter named Zoram led a whole group of people to fall into great errors and to pervert the ways of the Lord. Again, another really great reminder of what one man can have, like what, I guess what one man can have a negative impact on those around him. But then we learn in contrast, Alma had unwavering faith that the word of God would have a more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than the sword or anything else, including the words of Korhor and Zoram. And I, I love that as well. You know, like we said, like I said earlier that we can have a positive or negative impact depending on our words. And so it's interesting to see how these two men, Korhor and Zoram, led whole groups of people away. But Alma, he also had unwavering faith, and he believed that the word of God would have a more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than anything else. And we know from previous chapters of what we've studied so far about him that he has had a profound impact on people. He, with Amalek and the sons of Mosiah, have had great success in bringing many of the Lamanites to the gospel and to Jesus Christ. And so I think that's a really interesting impact or interesting thing to remember. And it makes me wonder, like, what are my words? What kind of of impact am I having on others? Is it positive, like Alma, or is it negative, like Zoram? and Korhor. So I thought that was a good self-reflection moment for me to think about. But um, the introduction goes on to say that Alma's words express eternal truth and drew upon the powers of heaven. And I, I thought about, you know, maybe how it explains there that he, his words, he spoke eternal truth and he drew upon the powers of heaven when talking to these people, the dissenters and I know sometimes I get intimidated when I see, I guess I see this more often just on social media because we haven't really been around people that much lately, but I feel like that there's so many times I see people that I know who have been active members of the church at one point or who and are no longer active or 
people that I know that seem to, um, I guess they're kind of active, but kind of not. And I feel like there's so many people that just have these really great way with words and they make these eloquent posts. And I feel like I, I, w- I feel like I don't know what to say back if that makes sense, if there's ever a post that's made about the church in a negative light, because I don't feel like that's really one of my gifts to have this great way of words. And so I feel intimidated and I oftentimes don't say anything, but I really liked how that line, how Alma's words expressed eternal truth and drew upon the powers of heaven. It gave me some inspiration about how I could potentially help those who maybe have fallen away or just give some, uh, maybe how to respond to people who I feel intimidated. I don't really know what to say back is just making sure that we're expressing truths and that we pray as we're talking to know for guidance about what to say. So I mentioned how him doing that, that, that silenced core horror and the words that Alma said invited heaven's blessings on those who went with him to bring the Zoramites back to the truth. And it, concludes that says these are valuable examples of for followers of Christ today when great swelling words and great errors again have a powerful effect on the minds of the people which I think is absolutely happening right now in our world so I think this is a really applicable lesson for us but it says but we can find truth by trusting as Alma did the virtue of the word of God so again I feel like this is a really important lesson about just how important it is like our words and the word of God as well. So I feel like that this is this intro was packed with a lot of really really great thoughts and it made me think of a few different things but specifically one was it made me think about a talk by Elder Holland called The Tongue of Angels and I believe this was given in the late 2000s maybe 2006 or 7 I didn't write it down here but um, you could look up the title, The Tongue of Angels. But I was reminded of, they just this is, I feel like, a great talk also that goes into more detail about just the impact our words have on each other. And I think that I thought about this talk this week is because, I don't know if anybody follows my social media pages, but I mentioned that we, this past week, had spent most of the week preparing to move we moved in with my in-laws on Thursday of last week, and we're going to be here for the next month and a half. We'll have the baby here, and then uh, we'll move to Texas in mid-August to for my husband's job. And so, but our lease is up at our old place. It's um, up July fourteenth. But then we wanted, to, long story, we wanted to make sure we were out of there so we can get everything clean. So we moved in here for a month and a half, and. I don't think it's just us that finds moving stressful, but I thought this past week was a really stressful week when it came to moving. There was just so much to do and so much to figure out. And I feel like there was times it was really kind of tense. There was lots of tense moments between me and my husband just, you know, I feel like we just each handle things differently. And I know that I think there were things that we each said in tenseness or in frustration or in stress or whatever it is that probably didn't need to be say, said, but we did because that's just, I feel like sometimes in the heat of the moment, you're just so stressed and you just say it. And so then I think that's probably why I was led to look at this talk because I feel like I needed a reminder of just how important the words that we say are to each other. So I wanted just to share a few different things that Elder Holland gave from this talk. 
he's talking about in about the words that husbands use for their wives and then also wives towards their husbands. And then, so I'm going to read these two paragraphs and um, go from there. But he says, husbands, you have been entrusted with the most sacred gift of the most sacred gift God can give you a wife, a daughter of God, the mother of your children who has voluntarily given herself to you for love and joyful companionship. Think of the kind things you said when you were courting. Think of the blessings you have given with hands placed lovingly upon her head. Think of yourself and of her as the God, as the God and goddess you both inherently are, and then reflect on other moments characterized by cold, caustic, unbridled words. Given the damage that can be done with our tongues, little wonder the Savior said, not, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. A husband who would never dream of striking his wife physically can break, if not her bones, then certainly her heart by the brutality of thoughtfulness or unkind speech. And I feel like I have to preface that this is not at all how Mike was. It wasn't like this bad as Elder Holland was saying, but it was just stressful. So I think, but I think I like that just how the things that we say defile us and not necessarily what goes into our mouth. So that's a good reminder for husbands and then for wives, he says, wives, what of the unbridled tongue in your mouth of the power for good or ill in your words? How is it that such a lovely voice, which by divine nature is so angelic, so close to the veil, so instinctively gentle and inherently kind could ever in a turn be so shrill, so biting, so astrid, acrid, uh, why are words hard to me for me sometimes? And untamed, a woman's words can be more piercing than any dagger ever forged, and they can drive the people they love to retreat beyond a barrier, more dis- more distant than anyone in the beginning of that exchange could ever had ima- ever have imagined. Sisters, there is no place in that magnificent sphere of yours for abrasive expressions of any kind, including gossip or backbiting or catty remarks. Let it never be said of our home or our word or or our ward or our neighborhood, that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, burning among our members. Again, that was a really, I feel like, powerful reminder, and I hope that wasn't the kind of person I was this past week, and the things that, out of frustration, were said, but I just, I think that's a good reminder that, how he says, there is no place for any kind of gossiping or backbiting or catty, catty remarks. I feel like that can be easier said than done at times, but a great reminder from an apostle just to be careful of the themes that we say. And it was, I feel like it was something I needed to hear just to be reminded of. And, um, I like this one quote that he said as well. It says, in all of this, I suppose it goes without saying that negative speaking so often flows from negative thinking, including negative thinking about ourselves. We see our own faults. We speak or at least think critically of ourselves And before long, that's how we see everyone and everything. No sunshine, no roses, no promise or hope of, or hope of happiness. Before long, we and everyone around us are miserable. Um, I, that's super powerful. Just the impact of our negative speaking, but that, you know, that comes from negative thinking about ourselves. And I feel like that can be so easy to do. I don't know if it's just easy for women. I find myself having lots of moments where I, I know I'm thinking negatively, more negative than I should. And maybe that's why at times I 
don't say things that are as positive as I should. But I think that was I just also really a great reminder. So much of this, I feel like it was something, maybe that, that's why I do this podcast is more for myself as I just need to remember these things. But I just wanted to conclude his talk or his thoughts from his talk saying, so brothers and sisters, in this long eternal quest to be more like our savior, may we try to be perfect men and women in at least this one way now by offending not in word or more positively, but put by speaking in a new tongue, the tongue of angels, our words like our deeds should be filled with faith and hope and charity. The three great Christian imperatives so desperately needed in the world today with such words spoken, the inf- spoken under the influence of the spirit, tears can be dried, hearts can be healed, lives can be elevated, hope can return and confidence can prevail. And I, I, I loved that. I feel like, like he mentioned that these are the, the Christian imperatives that are so desperately needed in our world today. And I know that anybody who looks at the news or anything like that would would be in total agreement that that's absolutely what we need. And so I just loved this introduction that just gave me a good reminder of the impact of our words. And in this lesson, we go into more detail about how the negative impact that Korhor and, Z- and Zoram had because of the negative things that they were teaching, but then also the positive impact that Alma and his brother, brethren had by the positive things. And so I think that's a great reminder for us just to, to be have a self-reflective moment of what kind of words are we using? Are they positive like Alma or are they negative like Korhor and Zoram? So I just thought that was a much needed reminder for me um, in this time that's just so stressful and so difficult. So that's the introduction. Okay, so the first section of the manual covers Alma chapter 30 verses 6 and 12, and it's titled, What is an Antichrist? And when I first read this, I instantly thought of a of an experience on my mission when we were out tracting and we knocked on a man's door and he wasn't very excited to see us because he called us the Antichrist. So, and I was, I thought it was interesting. I thought I always thought that was just like a unique experience that we had, but my husband mentioned on his mission as well that he was often called that too. So I guess it's a common thing that many people think that the the church or the missionaries that what we believe is antichrist but we'll read the definition of what it really is and we'll know that's not true so in the the manual it says that in Alma chapter 30 cohort is called antichrist and it says antichrist is one who would assume the guise of christ but in reality would be opposed to christ in a broader sense it is anyone or anything that counterfeits the true gospel or plan of salvation and that openly or secretly is set up in opposition of to Christ. And I found another, kind of going off of that, I found a quote by Elder McConkie that says, An Antichrist is one who offers salvation to men on some other terms than those laid down by Christ. And the manual asks us, What counterfeits of the true gospel do you notice in today's world? And I feel like there's a lot that could be said here and I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't feel right for me to just 
lay out all that I believe is probably counterfeits. I think that could be a great thing for each one of you to do individually and as a family. Because I, I think the last thing I want to do in this podcast is to offend people and my opinions. And so I would just encourage you guys as a family or individually to to take that question to heart and think about it. But I wanted to read about the example that is brought up in the manual and it says, for example, Sister Julie B. Beck, former Relief Society General President, taught any doctrine or principle we hear from the world that is anti-family is also anti-Christ. And I found the talk that that came from, and she went on to say that Korahor was an anti-Christ. Anti-Christ is anti-family. Any doctrine or principle our youth hear from the world that is anti-family is also anti-Christ. If it's that clear, if our youth cease to believe in the unright in the righteous traditions of their fathers, as did the people described in, in Mosiah 26, if our youth don't understand their part in the plan, they could be led away. I I feel like that's a really that's a great example that I felt okay to share just because it was, you know, it talks about it in the the manual. But I think that's something that we all see and hear all the time in today's world and I had never thought about it I guess as a thought being an antichrist so I thought that was a really interesting interesting point to think about and I appreciated that that input there so um so for this section I didn't want to spend all of the time just focusing on on exactly what an antichrist was. I feel like there's so many different aspects to this story that we could talk about. So I wanted to expand a little bit more on some different aspects of this story. And and so I like to, when I study for the Come Follow Me lessons in the podcast, I, really, I like to look at other church manuals and see what they say about the same topics. And so in a Book of Mormon study guide that I that I like to look at and read from, when I was studying this lesson, I came across some other great insights that we could take away from this chapter. And one of them is, I'll read this quote and then kind of expand on it from there. But it says, clearly Korhor was entitled to his beliefs, but when he sought to destroy the church, he broke King Mosiah's proclamation. It is interesting to note that whereas many in Sarahemla embraced Korhor and his teachings, the people of Ammon, who had lived most of their lives following Korhor-like beliefs, caused that he should be carried out of the land. They understood the danger of Korhor's teachings. And I mean, I had read the I'd read the readings in that chapter and that the verse that mentions that it's the people of Ammon who carry him out once Korhor once they realize what he's doing. But it just struck me as I read that just it's interesting, I guess, to me, because, you know, I've been a member of the church my whole life. And for all those who are listening, who also have been a member their whole life, and I guess not just, it doesn't just apply just to lifelong members, but really anybody. Do we understand the danger of core type teachings that we may hear today? And are we like the people of Ammon who carry these beliefs out of their lives when we hear them? Um, or do we embrace them? And I feel like in today's world, a lot of times we hear these core whore type beliefs on social media or in the news or, I don't know, the conversations through people. I mean, there's, it's so prevalent of how we can be exposed to these different ty- different beliefs that, as stated here, are core whore like beliefs. 
And I found it really powerful that it was the, the people of Ammon who were at one point, you know, followed those beliefs for most of their life. They were the ones after they had been converted that caused that he should be carried out of the land. And so I just, it was a good reminder to me that, you know, am I taking those, if I hear a core horror-like belief in my life, am I doing what it takes to take it out of my life? And because it's a lot of it is shared on social media, a lot of it can be very easy for us to take out of our life, whether it's to unfollow a certain account or to mute something or someone maybe that that is sharing those types of beliefs that we don't, we know deep down aren't right. So, or do we continue to read them and to embrace them? And we, you know, we can see what happens when people embrace them as they know they're led away from, from the gospel. So it was interesting thing for me to think about. And, you know, just, am I being as, vigilant as the people of Ammon and carrying out those beliefs in my life when we hear them because I know we're exposed to them all the time so and I would also I guess give that challenge or recommendation to you guys as well so think about that is are you being like the people of Ammon and you know causing those beliefs to be carried out of your life or are you embracing them um, and I wanted to also touch on one thing my husband and I talked about when we were, I was kind of, I was going over some thoughts with him about this. He said he likes to think about when he reads this chapter is, you know, how did Korhor get to the point that he was, that he was at to become this antichrist? And, you know, from the story we read that, you know, he asks you know, Alma for a sign and you know, Alma is like, you wouldn't even believe I gave you a sign, but okay, here's a sign. And so it says that he was struck dumb and he couldn't, and he couldn't talk. And this was according to the words of Alma. And so when the chief priest or the chief judge saw this, this chief, chief judge wrote to Korhor saying, you know, are you convinced now? Is this a sign enough for you? And then Korhor responded by writing back saying, I know that I am dumb for I cannot speak. And I know that nothing save it were the power of God could bring this upon me. Yea, and I always knew that there was a God. So deep down he knew it. But this next verse I feel like is a really powerful one to remember. He says that behold the devil hath deceived me. For he appeared unto me in the form of an angel. And said unto me, Go and reclaim this people. For they have all gone astray after an unknown God. And he said unto me, There is no God. Yea, and he taught me that taught me that which I would should say and I have taught his words and I taught them because they were pleasing unto the carnal mind and I taught them even until I had much success insomuch that I barely believed that they were true and for this cause I withstood the truth even until I have brought this great curse upon me so I feel like that was really an interesting thought to me is that he knew deep down that what he was teaching wasn't true but um, like he mentioned, they, what he was teaching was pleasing to the carnal mind. And so it was pleased. I mean, we all have the natural man in us. And so it probably was pleasing to him first. And then as he began to teach it, he realized just how pleasing it was to those around him. And because it's pleasing to the carnal mind, I, th- I feel like it's easier at times to give in to the natural man than not. And so he had much success until he believed what he was saying was true. So he didn't necessarily believe it was true, but you know, what the devil had told him to teach. But 
because he had so much success, he started to believe that it was true. And then it brought this great, you know, he ended up dying and it just brought this, he had a very terrible ending to his life because of that. So I, I thought that was an interesting thing to, to think about is just the, you know, the things that we hear, we can, we can make ourselves, I guess, believe the things that, that we hear are true just because they are so pleasing to the carnal mind. So I feel like a lot of this, I feel like I've been saying is, you know, just go to, you know, look on our social media and how, just be careful of the things that we are being exposed to. And I think this is, you know, this is a good reminder for myself too. Not, I'm not saying this in a place where I like feel like I figured this all out because that's not the case at all. But I feel like it's a good reminder for us to just be mindful of the things that we are being exposed to. And if there's things that are going against what we can feel deep down are not right, then we need to be like the people of Ammon and get those things out of our life as soon as possible. The next section in the manual covers Alma chapter 30 verses 6 through 60 and it's titled the Book of Mormon can help me resist the influence of those who try to deceive me and so I just wanted to read from the manual really quick and it says as you read Alma 30 Alma chapter 30 verses 6 through 31 the teachings of Korhor may sound familiar that's because as President Ezra Taft Benson taught the Book of Mormon reveals and can fortify us against the evil designs, strategies, and doctrines of the devil in our day. The type of apostates in the Book of Mormon are similar to the type we have today. God, with his infinite foreknowledge, so molded the Book of Mormon that we might see the error and know how to com combat false educational, political, religious, and philosophical concepts of our time. And I feel like when I read that, it just struck me again of just how important it is, it is for us to spend time in the Book of Mormon every single day, especially because, as President Ezra Taft Benson mentioned there, that it reveals us, it reveals to us, and can fortify against us against the evil design strategies and doctrines of our day. And I think as I was reading these chapters this week, this past week, it struck me just how applicable these two chapters, not just, not just these two chapters, really the whole Book of Mormon, but these two are, I feel like we're just really applicable to our life right now and the things that are taught. So, um, I, so I listened to another Come Follow Me podcast and it's, it's called Come Follow Me for Us and it's by Melanie Stroud and it's a really popular one. So you may have heard of it if you're into, you know, listening to Come Follow Me type podcast, but so she frequently has shared a story that I've thought about a lot and and if you do listen to to her podcast, you probably have heard it as well, but I think it's a good thing to remember. But she shares how um, one time she was discouraged by all these people that she knew that were falling away from the church. And she was really frustrated one evening about it and, you know, st started praying, you know, asking Heavenly Father, why is this happening? You know, just expressing sadness and frustration about it. And that she got the impression that if you don't read your Book of Mormon every day, you will be led away, led away just like them, or you'll become just like one of them, or and, and, or something along those lines. And I'm sure I'm butchering the 
the actual story, um, and I apologize if you could hear my cats in the background were fighting for a second there. I feel like this has been an interesting podcast trying to record. It's like life has just been crazy. So I apologize for the background noise. Hopefully they get along soon. But, um, but yeah, I just thought that was, it's such a powerful thought and something I think about often. I, and I try to think about it on those days where I let the day slip away from me and I let life get ahead of me and I want to go to bed and I'm like, Oh, I just, I'm so tired. I don't have time to read. You know, I, I, that's, that thought comes to my mind a lot that if you don't read the book Mormon, that you will also be led away like other people, you know, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that knows many people and people that you, that you would never expect that that fall away, that, that you would never, you would never expect to fall away that have fallen away. So, um, it just, it's just a powerful reminder of what a basic thing it is for us to do, for us to stay safe and secure in the gospel so we aren't deceived. And this reminded me of a talk called Safety for the Soul by Elder Holland. And it was given in October 2009. And I remember I, I heard this when I was in the MTC right before I went into the mission field. And so I feel like it was a really powerful pump up to go into the field with this talk. And I'm sure many of you have heard of it. I feel like it's a really popular talk and it's become into like a Mormon message now, but he says, brothers and sisters, God always provides safety for the soul. And with the book of Mormon, he has again done that in our time. Remember this declaration by Jesus Christ himself, whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. And it makes me, you know, think about earlier in the Book of Mormon with the iron rod and how we're taught in that chapter of that it's the word of God that leads us to back to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And it's not, it's not something else. It's the word of God, you know, just how, how important it is for us to spend our time every day in the scriptures. I think this is a good reminder for me as well is, you know, am I making sure that I'm spending time in it every day? Because it's, you know, how he says that those, if we do that, we will not be deceived if we treasure up the word um, and we won't, and our faith or our heart won't fail us by doing that. So I really love that reminder of just how important and how simple and basic it really is for us to to return to live with heavenly father again and but how difficult it is at the same time because it's so simple so um but the manual so going i guess going along the the manual it, it, it asks us to consider making a list of the false doctrines core teaches in this chapter and so I, I found a few that i wanted to talk about and i just i guess encourage you as i'm as I mentioned these to see if they sound familiar to you. I know that many of them sounded familiar to me and I'll kind of express some thoughts along the way as I share them. But in Alma chapter 31 or chapter 30 verse six. So Korhor teaches against the prophecies which have been spoken by prophets concerning the coming of Christ. Um, I, I guess I don't know if I have heard that as much, and maybe I'm just being totally off, but I know many people just don't believe in him anymore. 
And, but which kind of goes along with in verse 12, Korhor teaches that there should be no Christ. And I think that's a pretty prominent thought nowadays is that, you know, he doesn't even exist to a lot of people. And then in verse 13, he preaches that no one can know of anything which is to come. And this, this goes along to me in my mind with verse 14, that he teaches that the teachings of prophets are foolish traditions of our fathers. So when I was thinking about 13, you know, he preaches that no one can know of things to come. But as members of the church, we believe that prophets can help guide us and teach us of things that are to come and help prepare us against, against those things. Um, but it just made me think about, too, I'm going off of verse 14, where he says that the teachings of prophets, is, prophets are foolish traditions of our fathers. I feel like after every general conference, there's always, always things that are shared, that people share against things that have been said on general conference. And there's always opposition to what people, to what has been said. And there's always criticism and um, so I feel like that's a very applicable thought that he was teaching that then. And I feel like this is also being taught now in our life. And verse 17 in Alma chapter 30, Korhor tells the people that there could be no, there could be no atonement made for their sins, for the sins of man, but that every man fared in this life according to the management of the creature. Every man prospered according to their genius and that every man conquered according to their strength and whatsoever a man did was no crime. And I feel like this is something that's very applicable to our life. So I wanted to share a little thoughts and I hope I don't offend anybody by what I'm about to share. Because again, that's not my intention at all in what, these are just thoughts. So I hope you take that as just a thought we're about to share. But so I, I feel like I'm a big fan of personal development. I think it's really interesting to me to read books or po- listen to podcasts or read things that teach us how teach me how I can be a better person um but one thing that bothers me is that I feel like a lot of this is a lot of the this personal development is so focused on that we can accomplish whatever we put our minds to. And if we just have to work hard to reach our goals, and it's all up to me to see that my dreams come true. And you know, that, that I guess it bothers me probably just because I have a, a faith in Jesus Christ. But um, I just thought that he's left out of everything. You know, God and Jesus Christ are left out of every, a lot of these. I mean, there's, there's some that bring him up. But I feel like that so much of it is just like, you just have to work hard. You just have to put your mind to it. And I do also believe in the power of our minds and that there is definitely hard work that comes from changing and growing and achieving goals and all that. So I have nothing against that, I guess, aspect of it. But I feel like it just puts so much on like, you can do it all and you don't need anybody else to tell you what to do. It's just you. And so, and I just feel like it's so prevalent that he, Jesus Christ has just left so much out of it when we, as members of the church or, you know, people, I guess, who are Christians that believe in the Bible, it talks about, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And I feel like that's how I try to think about personal development. I feel like there's so many things I struggle with and I don't feel like I have a strong enough mind at times to just 
put my mind to something and stick with it that I find myself often praying for help and guidance to be able to reach goals and for strength to do that so I, I that was something that teaching that Korhar taught then I think is very prevalent today and a couple other things that he teaches is that when men die that's the end so you know I guess you only live once I think that's you know that's a common phrase that we hear in life now when we don't believe that's true we don't believe that it's just this life and that's it that that we believe the things that we do in the life that we live here now has a profound impact on us for the eternities. So, and then again, later he teaches again that there will be no Christ, which we kind of talked about earlier. So I thought it was really interesting how similar these beliefs were that Korhor was teaching to what is also being taught now in our life. And so just another great testimony builder to me of just how important it, important it is for us to have the Book of Mormon in our life. And there's a question in there that that talks about what are, are some of the consequences consequences of believing these teachings. Um, and so I don't have an exhaustive list here, but a couple of things that I thought of is that, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, that is if we believe these things, it, it takes Christ out of our lives and kind of out of the equation of everything. If if we believe it's all up to us, then he's just left out of everything. And so, you know, not having him in our life absolutely changes everything. And it also, I feel like, gives no real purpose or meaning to life. The things that were shared just, this is just it. So it doesn't really have much of a purpose. And I, I feel like if we fill our lives with these kinds of teachings and beliefs, then we will eventually be led away just like Korhor was. So I feel like I'm going to share this a lot in this lesson or this podcast, but I feel like this is also another great reminder is if what are we allowing into our lives that may be um, expressing these beliefs. And if they are, then just how important it is for us to get those things out of our lives because obviously they have a, a very profound impact for the negative in our lives just as it did in the lives that Korhor taught and then eventually just in his life as well. So lots of lots of applicable lessons that we can take and apply to our lives right now. So the last section of the manual covers Alma chapter 30, and it's titled, God's Word Has the Power to Lead People to Righteousness. So as kind of an introduction towards what's happening in this chapter, that at the end of Korhor, so it's interesting, in 30, you know, there's this all this Korhor drama and all this sad stuff that happens there. So that's over, right? And then at the beginning of Alma chapter 31, Alma receives words word that the Zoramites were perverting the ways of the Lord. So I can't imagine what he's like, oh, I just got taken care of, I just took care of this problem or this problem just finished and now here's another one. But um, that, so in the Zoramites had a leader named Zoram who was leading the people away down to dumb idols, it says, and his heart began, so this is Alma's, said in verse one, that his heart began to sicken because of the iniquity of the people and it caused great sorrow 
to him that there is so much iniquity among his people. I, I can't imagine, especially because he's worked so hard to help spread the gospel. So, um, so they go to the Zoramites, and while they're there, they see just they get really upset because they see just how they are turning to idols, and um, we'll talk a little bit about it at the end. But they worship on a Ramiumptum, and so poor guys, they just have a rough couple chapters of dealing with some troublesome people here. But the manual says in this section, the problem of the Zoramites, Zoramites separating from the Nephites may have seemed to some like it needed a political or military solution. But Alma had learned to trust the virtue of the word of God. And it's, the manual asks us to, to think about what do you learn from Alma chapter 31 verse 5 about the power of the of God's word. So I wanted to read that that verse um, in Alma chapter 31 verse 5 it says and now as the preaching of the word had a great tendency to lead the people to do that which was just yea it had a more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than the sword or anything else which had happened unto them therefore Alma thought it was expedient that they should try the virtue of the word of God. Um, and from that I feel like I learned that hearing the word of God is can be so powerful. And I don't know, I think, even though I read that and I believe that, I, sometimes I, I struggle to know, I guess, if that's true in situations that are, that are difficult in dealing with people who maybe share things that are against what I believe or in situations that may be confrontational when it comes to people not believing things as the other person does, if that makes sense. So, but I, I guess if I think about it, if I try to force someone to believe something that I'm saying, like, for example, by using physical force, which I, that's not the kind of person I am. I'm not like a physical force type person, but let's just say that's who I was. And I was like pushing people around, like, do you need to believe what I'm saying? You need to, like, what I'm saying is right. Like, I can't believe you don't believe it. Like, I don't think actually, I know that they would have zero desire to believe what I was saying and thinking, kind of turning the tables, I guess, on myself. If that's how someone was forcing me to believe something, I feel like I would instantly put a wall up to that person and I would instantly have a hard heart and I would have zero desire to listen to what they were saying. And I wouldn't be convinced of, of what they were saying. So, um, and I think, I am not the only one that's noticed this, but I feel like this kind of behavior is so common right now. It's just crazy. I feel like it's just all over the place. People are trying to make each other believe what they think, and it's not its not usually done in really peaceful ways. It's been kind of the opposite, really, of what, and I'm sure, like I said, I'm not the one that's noticed this. It's been very contentious and very lots of fighting and just mean spiritness going on and I don't believe that anybody will change anybody's mind by acting like that so it's just, it's a good reminder from this this verse that Alma says that the preaching of the word of God had a greater tendency to lead the people to do that which is right than by anything else so when I when I read that, as I've been thinking about it, it reminded me of a recent press release that President Nelson shared 
in regards to some of the unrest that's been happening in our world in the last two months and again I hope I don't offend anybody by sharing this I really again is not my intention at all but I felt I remember when I read this press release this was in response to the the riots and all the destruction violence that was happening um recently and I just found it his what he said really powerful so I I won't read it all I'm just gonna read some of it that I feel like this stood out to me that feels applicable towards this particular section of the power of the word of God and just that has a more powerful impact than other things but he says that illegal acts such as looting, defacing, or destroying public or private property cannot be tolerated. Never has one wrong been corrected by a second wrong. Evil has never been resolved by more evil. And he says, we need to foster our faith in the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. We need to foster a fundamental respect for the human dignity of every human soul, regardless of their color, creed, or cause. And we need to work tirelessly to build bridges of understanding rather than creating walls of segregation. I plead with us to work together for peace, for mutual respect, and for an outpouring of love for all of God's children. And I I just thought that was such a powerful... Like, to me, when I read that, I, I feel peace. And I feel a greater desire for action instead of someone yelling at me to, to do something, if that makes sense. So I, it does, I, I just believe that. I do believe that the, the power of God's word has greater power to lead people to righteousness than any other, any other form of trying to lead someone to do what's right. So the manual also goes on to ask, uh, to ask for us to think about how have you seen the word of God lead people to do that which is just? And I'm going to share a quick story that I don't mean to say that my husband was not being just in this or I wasn't being just, but this is just like a personal story, but just of, I guess, how the word of God led us to be comforted and kind of change some thoughts or thoughts or yeah, thoughts and behavior, I guess. So, um, I think I've mentioned before that during this pandemic, some of the struggles that our family has had has come to my husband's job. So he was offered a position in Texas on March 10th of this year. And this is like right, right before things went crazy. And our city in Ithaca went into lockdown on March 15th. So literally five days before this hit. And after that point, it was like we were hearing about it, but it, at that point it was just more of a thing and a problem in Seattle. It wasn't, it wasn't a re it wasn't, it didn't feel personal. And then a few days later it did. But for the first month that we were in lockdown, we kept telling each other, well, at least we have a job, you know, that was like our, that was the one positive thing that was getting us through. It was like, you know, things may be hard right now, but at least we have a job in the fall and that would keep, that would make us feel happy. And then um, my husband had the thought that he would reach out to his employer to ask just to see how COVID was impacting that university. And 
if it would potentially offer his, if it would impact his job offer. And the guy he emailed responded saying that, well, they had no intention of not honoring his contract. They, he couldn't give him a hundred percent answer either way that he still had a job or not. And this was in April and he shared with him that this university, they do their budget meetings at the beginning of August, and that's when he would have a for sure answer either way if he had a job. And that was a really scary email to get because we were banking and have been banking so much on this. And just like I said, we found so much comfort thinking, well, at least we have a job. We don't have to worry about being laid off like so many other people were having to worry about. So... But then that all changed at that point once we realized it wasn't 100%. And it was really discouraging. And it was, I feel like it was a really big test of faith. Um, and my husband's really, he really struggled with that for a long time. And I feel like that we had a lot of conversations about, you know, does God really hear and answer our prayers? And if he does, then what's the point of even praying for this? Like this has been something we've been praying for for so long when he's just going to take it away from us like this, you know? And I remember I found myself like trying to just convince my husband, like, just believe, okay? Like stop having these doubts and just believe that like what's meant to be will happen and that it will all work out, you know? And I, I found myself probably not trying to make him believe in very calm terms. It was like, I'm not that I like got hysterical, but I just, I felt myself getting fresher. Like, why can't you just believe? Why can't you just like think the way I think about this situation, which obviously doesn't help anybody when you're just trying to force someone to think the way you think when you don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. And, you know, I haven't experienced life the way he's experienced it. And so I know he believes and thinks the way he does because of things that he's experienced um, but so that was kind of how this situation was for a while, just me being frustrated because I just wish that he'd have more faith or I just wish that he would just believe better than I thought he was doing at that time. And it was around that same time, our Bishop reached out to us and asked if he could, they said that he'd been thinking about us and asked if we could do a zoom call so he could like check in and, and talk to us and just see how things were going and when he started the call, he said that he didn't know why he necessarily felt like he should talk to us, but he just had this impression that he needed to talk to us. And so he just asked at the beginning, like, what are your, what are your concerns? And we had talked about this, like we knew this call with our bishop was coming up. And so we mentioned that was, let's just bring it up to our bishop and see what kind of advice he, he will share with us. And I, I felt like it was amazing how much that conversation impacted us. Me knowing, like, I guess I was humbled that I, I probably wasn't approaching the situation as lovingly as I should have. And then also helped my husband to hear the word of God from someone, like a leader, our bishop, who he respects and very much. And our bishop is a very, very kind man and just very, like, peaceful and... And just obviously was inspired because he shared the things that we needed to, the exact things that we needed to hear. But I feel like it absolutely changed the way that we started thinking about this situation. And 
it was it was really powerful and not I mean at this point my husband still has at this point from what we're hearing is a 90% chance this job's going to work out that he's already in this year's budget it's the next couple years that we are a little bit unsure about but we still have this uncertainty that the final meeting doesn't happen until August August 6th I believe and we are planning on leaving New York to drive to Texas on August 10th so four days before we're supposed to drive and move is when he'll get his answer either way but everything we're being told right now is that he will have a job so we're going off of that and moving forward as if that's going to happen but I feel like that things have really changed in our conversation about this really difficult situation because of that conversation with our bishop and so I thought that was a really big testimony to me that the that God's word really does have a powerful or is very powerful to lead us to righteousness and it's humbled me to again not try to force him to believe the way that I believe but you know the bishop encouraged him to do you know personal study and prayers and and I know that he's been doing that and so it's just a great testimony building experience for me of just how powerful the word of God is and not I don't have all this I'm not obviously my words aren't powerful because I wasn't expressing them in a in a very good way I guess to be effective at all so um but there's one last thing that I wanted to share some thoughts about from this chapter in Alma chapter 31 and the man doesn't go into much detail about it at least in this section but something that stood out to me is um like we mentioned that Alma and his people that they come and see that the Zoramites are praying on a Ramiumptim and in the in Alma chapter 31 verse 23 it says it talks about this Ramiumptim and it says now after the people had all offered up thanks after this manner because they had a, a rote prayer that they would share and that they would pray and after they do that they returned to their homes and they would never speaking of God again until they had assembled themselves together again to the holy stand to offer up thanks after their manner so it was just very I guess in modern church language they were Sunday Mormons which I guess that's kind of even outdated because we don't call ourselves Mormons anymore but they the only it was all a show I guess for them and it was not sincere and they just did it once and then they went on their merry way never thinking and speaking about Christ again until they came back to that and I feel like this really struck me I feel like that this is something that I have found myself thinking about a lot recently is that and also wondering am I like these people do I you know I'm I'm trying to do this podcast to help hopefully help bless people's lives and help you know bring the spirit to their lives but I don't I I don't know if I don't think it's just me I've expressed this thought to my mom and sisters but I feel like sometimes when you try to do something good like sharing your testimony or trying to share the gospel that Satan just works extra hard on you and I feel like that's absolutely what's been happening I feel like during the week I just find myself getting more distracted with life and not putting as much time or attention probably into like the daily aspects of worship as much and so I found myself wondering am I like the people the Zormites am I like do I just use like this podcast as a ramiumptum and just like share these great things and then I go throughout my week I never think about Christ ever again 
So, I mean, that's probably a little bit dramatic, but that's what, that's what it led me to think about is, you know, how I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be just a Sunday only member of the church and then go on the rest of my week forgetting about the things I've taught or the things I've learned. And I, I guess I would encourage all of us, everyone else who's listening to think about that as well is do we just worship on Sunday and then go on the rest of our week and not speaking of Christ again? Or do we make sure that he's a part of our daily lives every single day and not just on Sunday? And so I would just encourage you to have a self-reflected reflection moment to to see where you are. I know it was a good self-reflection for me to kind of see what, where I am now and to make some goals of, of how I can change and not be like these people. So I, I feel like it was, it, it was what I needed to hear. And hopefully that is helpful to someone else. But that is it for this lesson this week, at least coming from the, the manual here. I, there's a lot that I'm sure that also could be taken out of these scriptures. And I, I know that's the importance of each one of us being in the scriptures to see what we personally can learn as we read. So I would just encourage you to continue to read. And I, I would be interested to hear the things that you hear, that you learn from the chapters and come follow me and you know what impact you feel like that they're having in your life. So again, if you follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Come follow me for you and me is the handle for both of them. And if you would wouldn't mind I'd love to hear the things that you are learning from your come follow me reading and I apologize that this is coming a bit later as mentioned from my social media post this past week was just a little bit crazy and I feel like I got very little sleep and I was reminded of just how I do not function on very little sleep so I had to take a, a kind of a break last night and sleep and not finish this podcast but I am really grateful for this lesson And like I mentioned before, I feel like it's so applicable to us in our life because so much of it was shared in these chapters are what is happening in our life right now. And I'm so grateful for the Book of Mormon that we have that helps guide us at this time when this is happening now and helps us to know how not to be deceived and how we can hold tight to the iron rod and just continue to encourage everyone to read their scriptures as I'm, I'm also encouraging myself every day so that we won't be, won't be deceived and that we can return to live with our Heavenly Father again. And I look forward to speaking with you guys next week as well. Have a good day.